wind blowing toward right field. If Alex could find something to pull, get it in the air, he would get some help. Familia's next pitch. Belted to deep center. Back goes Lagares. And gone, Alex Gordon. And comes the pitch. Broken bat, one hopper to third. And over to first in time. Runner going to try to score. Wild throw. Hosmer gambling that he could dash home on the throw to first base. And the Royals have tied the game. For the very best in baseball, this is the place you want to be. Welcome back to the Locked On Royals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Ryland Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Stiles. That's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Royals. Always talking baseball on Twitter. Always looking to interact with you guys. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you get your podcast. And remember... That if you leave a five-star iTunes review, I will, and you leave a question in that review, I will answer the question on the next show. But on today's show, we've completed our first full week of the Lockdown Royals podcast off-season edition. Again, if you're new in the off-season, we're going to go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Once the season begins, it will be every single day. So on today's show, we're going to talk about the Astros cheating scandal we're going to talk about the Royals and if they should sell off pieces. And we'll talk about the worst case scenario for the 2020 Royals. On Wednesday's show, we talked about the best case scenario. Today, let's look at the worst case scenario. But first, let's talk about the Astros cheating scandal. Obviously, you all know by now, they are accused of using technology to steal signs and guess pitches banging on trash cans and letting the batter know what pitch was coming. I don't think that this is the true reason that they won the World Series because, frankly, a lot of players in baseball can know what pitch is coming and still not be able to hit it. But it was a huge advantage. The Red Sox are also involved in this. That came out this week. Punishment is expected to be handed down in the next two weeks. I would assume it's going to be sooner rather than later, believe it or not. We're about a week away from teams starting their version of FanFest and then about three weeks away, four weeks away from pitchers and catchers. So, I mean, time is of the essence here. We kind of want to get this settled if you're Major League Baseball before teams go to their respective spring training sites. So what is the punishment going to be and what is it going to look like? In my opinion, I think it will be a pick, maybe two picks that are high in the MLB draft and also the Astros will lose their international signing bonus pool money. Won't be able to sign international free agents for X amount of time. I don't think a player will be suspended on on either team, the Red Sox or the Astros. I think that maybe you'll get Hinch or Cora suspended. Maybe a front office member from each side suspended. I don't think any players will be involved. I think that the Red Sox won't lose picks. I think that they could lose money. You know, either just getting fined or losing, like I said, the international signing bonus. I think the Astros will get hit with it all. They'll get hit with the first round pick loss. They'll get hit with the international signing pool money 
loss. They'll get hit with a fine and then maybe a possible suspension to Hinch or a front office member. Ultimately, I think that this is something that is going to end now. I think it's something that should end now. And I think that it's something that's also not... Not that it's not a big deal, but it's also not something that has caused the Astros and Red Sox to be successful. I think that they are still a talented team. Each of them are. I think that they're both still capable and should have won their respective World Series. I know that the funny joke on Twitter is to say that the only reason that they beat the Dodgers was because of the sign-stealing. I don't think that's the case. First of all, the, the Red Sox did not use it in the postseason. That's been confirmed. Now you can also argue that that doesn't really matter because it's still a huge advantage if you can use it in the regular season and build up those wins. You know, winning, what, what do they win that year? 108 games or something, which positions you better in the postseason. But I don't think that, that this sign stealing is the reason that, that either team won the World Series. I think that it's just something that needs to end, and it's going to end. And in about a year or two, we won't even remember this. Sign stealing will still be around, but just not. In technology form, not not using cameras, not using video, not using trash cans to steal signs. It will go back to just normal. Okay, if I'm on second base and I look in and see your sign, I'll tap my helmet and you know let the let the batter know. Okay, I see a curveball coming, or I'll hit my thigh and say, hey, there's going to be a fastball coming. That's okay. That's well within the rule. That's just gamesmanship. Get better signs. But once you add technology and once you're doing it from the dugout, it becomes a problem. And I'm glad that Major League Baseball is stepping up and going to punish these organizations. But I don't think it's going to be as drastic as some people do. I think it's going to be a first-round pick for maybe each of them, but for sure the Astros, which is still still a loss. I mean, a first-round pick in any sport is valuable. And then they're going to lose international signing money, which for the Astros and Red Sox, I'm not sure uh, how valuable that's going to be. This year, I'm not really. I don't really think that there's anyone coming up that you're gonna want uh, the international signing money for. Uh, but nonetheless, I think that the real big deal is gonna be losing your manager if you do, and for how long? Is it gonna be a game, a series, a month, two months? How long are they gonna be out? But again, I don't see any players are being suspended in this. It's a weird situation. It's gonna be resolved soon, and I really do think that it's not gonna be something that lingers throughout. The season, I think that it truly will be forgotten about soon. Uh, the jokes will always be there. People making fun of each organization, you know, if they ever have success again, which they will. They're both still uh, decent teams. The Astros are still really good. The Red Sox are kind of in no man's land right now with what they're trying to build. But as they have success, sure, there will be jokes about, oh, are they still cheating? Blah blah blah. But I don't think that it'll be something that. That really, that really stains their legacy when it's all said and done. It's not going to be something that keeps anyone out of the Hall of Fame. It's not going to be something that, that tarnishes the accomplishments. It's not going to be something like the steroid case. It's, it's just going to be over in a couple weeks, and we'll, we'll finally put it behind us and move forward. So let's talk about the Kansas City Royals now. Should they sell off pieces? This is a topic that is going to get brought up throughout this season. It's going to be another losing season. I'm sorry to break that to you if you didn't already know, but this season is not about winning. This season is not about going to the wild card. This season is not about going to the playoffs, and it's surely not about going to the World Series. This season is another season about developing players and losing. So should they start trading guys? 
And that's an easy thing to say because you assume that you need to tank. But when you really look at the Royals and, and what they have, they don't have that many tradable assets. Hunter Dozier's 28, and he's only had one good year. Whit Merrifield's 30. He's had a couple good years. Jorge Soler's had one good year. He's 27. And, you know, his contract is up. Soon. So, the question becomes, one, let's say that they did sell. Let's say that they that they gave away Dozier, gave away Whit Merrifield, gave away Soler. Those are the only guys of value who you are going to trade. You're not ready to trade Mondesi yet. You still want to see what he can be. O'Hearn hasn't done anything. Duffy's terrible. Franco still needs to prove that he can turn his career around. And Ian Kennedy, let's see if he can duplicate his success from last year. But those guys aren't bringing you back anything of note. These three guys, Dozier, Merrifield, and Soler, could possibly bring you back something of note. Bring you back something that helps your rebuild. However, will they? Like I said, Dozier's had one good year. Whit Merrifield's 30. And he's had, you know, two, three, four good years. Soler's had one good year. He's 27, though. I think of all these guys, Soler brings back the most. And that's surprising to some people, but the way baseball's trending in the power direction, if he can prove this season that he's truly a power hitter, he's truly turned the corner, he's had he has consistent power, I think he becomes immensely more valuable. Again, I talked about this on Wednesday. There are more teams trying to win now in Major League Baseball than, than at any time period that I can remember. A lot of teams are going for it. And a lot of teams are building the same way with that power. Whit Merrifield, from a baseball standpoint on the field, is extremely valuable. He can, he can play every position you want him to. He's a consistently good hitter the last three years. And he's exceptional defensively, especially considering every player you can get. I mean, every position that he can play. I think that the trade for Whit Merrifield, if you went ahead and opened up shop, and you win it, and you win around to the Cubs and the Padres or whoever wants to trade for him. I think what you're getting back is exactly the level of players that the A's got for Ben Zobrist. It's Sean Manaya who turned into a really good pitcher, and nothing else. It's 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 one good prospect. The Ben Zobrist trade was predicated on one prospect. Now Ben Zobrist was was a bit older than Whit Merrifield, mind you. But they're the same type of player. They can play all around the diamond, a good hitter, not a superstar, borderline all-star. Whit Merrifield is an all-star, but Zobris was a borderline all-star type guy. But, but also a guy who can get you over the hump due to the fact he can play multiple positions. Think of how important Ben Zobris was in 2015 for an AL team, the Royals. They helped. He helped them get, get away from... Uh, or get by with the Gordon injury. He helped them at second base. He helped them everywhere you could imagine on the field. And now put Whit Merrifield in the NL, where you obviously need to have more flexibility on your roster. He helps an NL team immensely, but I still think that the only trade for Whit Merrifield is one good prospect. I don't even think that it will be an elite prospect in the sense of a team's Top five prospect. I don't think it's going to happen for any of these three guys. I think for Whit Merrifield, you're looking at an above average prospect. Something that, that they 
don't really want to part ways with, but it's worth it if it means getting a World Series, much like Sean Manaya. Sean Manaya was not this elite prospect for whenever they traded him for Ben Zobrist. But he was a guy that you knew was going to make an impact at the major league level, so you 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 kind of were apprehensive to give him away. But at the end of the day, you thought to yourself, okay, this is for a World Series, so whatever Sean Manaya brings, it's it's not going to be Clayton Kershaw. It's not going to be an elite guy, so let's go ahead and do this so we can win the World Series right now. I think that's the kind of trade what Merrifield brings back, and is that worth it? So you, it's, it's easy to say just sell, just sell, just sell. You're terrible. You're a terrible baseball team right now. But is it worth it considering you have Whit Mirafield under contract, you have Hunter Dozier under contract, and you have the ability to reassign Jorge Soler because while he did have a good season last year, it's still only that one good year to where he doesn't have the leverage to price out the Royals. Now you tack on another good season, and he will. But if you were to extend him today, it would be doable. Or any time between now and opening day, it would be doable for the Royals market. You're also taking the chance that, that he might regress, but it still would be doable. So I don't think that the Royals should sell. I think that it gets harder each and every day that you wait because all of your top prospects, which are all pitchers, by the way, are getting ready to come up. They're knocking on the door of the show. And so you're going to need guys there to form a competitive lineup. And that's what the Royals have done. They, I said it on the first ever show of the Lockdown Royals podcast, they're slowly getting a very competitive lineup. And so once those pitching prospects come to be, once those pitching prospects become who we think that they will, you're going to have a good team if you can have a competitive lineup. So is the return for these guys worth selling them? I don't think so. I don't think you can get a single thing that's worthwhile for these guys. Let me give you a possible Whitmerfield trade real, real quick because I think that he is the guy most likely to be traded. I don't think that anyone will even sniff at a Dozier trade yet. He hasn't proven anything. He's 28. There's not that much upside yet. He's had a, a really good year last year, but let's see if he can do it again. And I don't think anyone will sniff at Jorge Soler in the sense of making you an offer that changes your rebuild. Now, if you get to the deadline and he's still having that pop and he hasn't. He doesn't have a contract extension yet. He's, he doesn't have that that contract yet. I think that teams will give you something for him, and something pretty decent for him, but nothing that changes your timetable of winning. For Whit Merrifield, who is the most valuable player that they have to offer, I think at best you're going to get an above-average prospect. And what I mean by that is, a, is a, again, a guy like Sean Manaya, who is good. He's not elite. He's not franchise altering he's a good player who's younger than the guy you're trading and who will be around longer and then they'll get a Bartolomar or someone like that from the from the Cubs or name whatever team a a decent player who already has major league experience and is already ready to play at the major league level is, is ready to get consistent time at the show is it worth it to give away Whit Merrifield for that especially when you consider while yes this season's going to be a downer. And this season, the goal is not to contend. The goal is to not lose 100 games. That's the entire goal going into 2020 is just try to lose 99. Try to lose 90. So it doesn't look good right now, but all those top pitchers are knocking on the door and eventually, sooner rather than later, you're going to have those guys at the major league level 
and they're going to be able to elevate your roster immensely. This, If the Royals had a good pitching staff this year, their season outlook would be incredible. I mean, again, looking at that lineup, it's a very competitive one. So I say don't sell, just wait it out with these guys. Sell guys who are expiring that you're not going to extend, and that's it. So we'll see what they do with Jorge Soler if they extend him or not. But the bottom line is, selling is all fine and good, and a lot of teams have found success doing that. But the Royals don't have anything to sell. They don't have anything to offer that can, again, spark the rebuild and change the future. They can get guys who are good. They can get guys who are of value. But it's not going to change any timetable. It's not going to change anything about this team. Again, when the White Sox traded Chris Sale, they got franchise-altering players. You're not getting that with Dozier, Merrifield, Soler, or anyone. So I'd say just, just stay the course and continue this rebuild, which we'll talk about Monday, because I think that this rebuild is going better than the rebuild that had the historic minor league class of Mike Moustakis, Eric Hosmer, and all of the names you know, which sounds crazy to the ear, but we'll talk about that on Monday. So what is the worst case scenario for the 2020 Royals? We'll talk about that after the break. So the worst case scenario for the 2020 Kansas City Royals. We talked about the best case scenario on Wednesday, which if you didn't get around to listening to it, basically the best case scenario for the Royals. If everyone hit their peak, if everything fell perfectly, if baseball was kind to the Royals and, and again, everything fell perfect, their best case scenario is a strong first half where you're in the mix and then you fade down the stretch. So what's the worst case scenario for the Royals? Well, it has a lot to do with players more so than games won and lost. Because at the end of the day, I've said it all throughout this show, the Royals are just trying not to lose 100 games. They can lose 99, they can lose 95, but let's just try not to get to triple digits. So the wins and losses don't really matter. But that would be the worst case scenario is to lose over 100 games. That's always a benchmark for you where it's kind of a, a, a blemish on your resume as an organization. But let's talk more about what the season looks like. Because again, this season has no bearing on the win-loss record. It does not matter whatsoever. What really matters is the players. First of all, if Ian Kennedy sucks, this season is going to be a disaster. Because while he will not net you anything of note and he might not even net you a good prospect but just to get something for Ian Kennedy at the deadline would be huge just something so if he sucks and has a regression and can no longer close out games and and loses his 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 ability to pitch that would be a disastrous start to the 2020 Royals if Danny Duffy shows to us that he's really not good A lot of people don't think he's good. I think that he's vastly overrated by Kansas City. I think that nationally no one cares about Danny Duffy. But by Kansas City, he is unbelievably overrated because he's a good guy. He has funny interviews. On the field, he's not that good. And if he shows us this year that he's still terrible and can't turn it around and can't have a bounce back year, we're in for a disastrous season. Because he's another guy who, if he does have a strong start to the year, 
okay, now you're looking at the possibility of being able to trade him, and he's a guy, as a pitcher who's left-handed, he's a guy who could get you a good prospect from a desperate team at the deadline because of the fact that he's proven throughout his career to be a good bullpen arm. Now, while he is overrated as a starter, I think his best role is in the bullpen, especially for a playoff team. He has shown he can be a good player out of the bullpen. And so a a front office of a playoff team will look at that and think, okay, we can either use him as a fifth fifth guy in our rotation, because that's what he is, a number five starter, at best a number four starter, or we can use him in our bullpen as a middle reliever. So we're willing to give up an asset for that. That would be a huge boost to the Royals, but if he shows up this season and still is terrible, it's a lost cause. It's just a lost cause. That contract is awful. Keeping him around is awful, and you can't get rid of him. And then he adds you nothing. He doesn't add you, you know, good talent on the field, and he also doesn't add you the ability to trade him. If Michael Franco flops and doesn't play well this season, it wouldn't be disastrous. It wouldn't be earth-shattering. It wouldn't make me upset. It wouldn't make me come on here and start screaming at the top of my lungs about Michael Franco. But it would be disappointing and factor into that worst-case scenario because the best-case scenario is he has a very strong first half, a borderline all-star, a Hunter Dozier-like turnaround, and then you flip him at the deadline and you trade him to a contender and he goes and becomes someone's power bat off the bench. Another worst case scenario is Whit Merrifield finally regresses. And we've been predicting this or wondering this or thinking about this for the last two years. And he's proven us wrong every single time. He's proven that he's legit. But if he does have a drop off this year, you lose that flexibility of having the possibility to trade him at the deadline for a good prospect, for a good haul, for a reasonable haul. You lose that ability. And then you start wondering, is he a guy you can even build around? Now, he's still on a very team-friendly deal. Even if he has a bad year this year, it doesn't um, it doesn't change anything about his contract being of value. But it does change, obviously, what you can get in return this offseason and what you can get at the deadline. If he has another good season throughout the 162 games, at the winter meetings next year, he'll be an even bigger commodity. I mean, you would hate to see him regress. Of everything on this list, I think this is the, the most... Alarming. The, the most, um, whatever you would want to call it, being a disastrous opportunity. Another one that's that's really bad, I think, is, is Mondesi. Not even if he's good or bad. But if we cannot get him to play a full season, if we do not get to see him play close to 162 games, then you really have to start to wonder if he's ever going to be healthy in his entire career. I want to see what it looks like when Mondesi plays a full season. The stolen bases, the bat, how he plays the field. I want to see what that looks like, but he's got to stay on the field. And we're, we're losing time here with Mondesi. We still don't know if he's even a good player yet. He has the name recognition. He has the prospect rating whenever he was in the minors. But he hasn't proven anything. We don't know if he's a good player or not. And the more he gets hurt the less window we have to evaluate him. So that's a huge concern for me as well. And then Dozier and O'Hearn. Dozier regresses. He, he, he makes you think that last year was a, was a blip on the radar. It was, you know, a one-hit wonder. 
and it was not really who he was. It was a flash in the pan. And then O'Hearn still cannot come around, and if that happens, if Ryan O'Hearn plays this season, and he still does not look like a big league hitter, a big league ball player, his, his career is over to me. This is his make-or-break season. It's got to happen for him this year. And that creates a lot of pressure for him, I'm sure. But that's the bottom line. We talked about evaluating Mondesi. This is the year to evaluate O'Hearn. If he cannot do it this year, it's time to move on and figure out another plan. He's obviously not going to be a part of your future. So those are the worst-case scenarios for the Kansas City Royals. Again, the win-loss really doesn't matter. It's just really... A, about not losing 100 games to make you feel better, but that that's really all there is to it. So on Monday's show, we'll talk about this rebuild possibly being on a better trajectory than the last one, which the last one ended up in a World Series, mind you, and another AL pennant. We'll also talk about any other news that breaks throughout the weekend. So this has been the Lockdown Royals podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm Rylan Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals. Let me know what you guys think about the 2020 Royals. Should they sell? Are there prospects and, and, and pieces to sell off that I'm overlooking? Because, again, I think that the only valuable pieces the Royals have to offer is Dozier, Merrifield, and Solaire. And then let me know what you think the punishment's going to be for the Astros and Red Sox. I don't think that that punishment will be handed down this weekend, so you have time to get your predictions in. Again, my predictions are they're going to lose a pick and they're going to lose international signing money. So let me know what you guys think on Twitter. Again, that's at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. Be good and be good to one another, and we will see you on Monday for more of the Lockdown Royals podcast, a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.